0: Three, two,
1: one, go!
0: This is episode 68 of the Cooldown Time podcast. I'm your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me as always... Is my co-host and technical mess, Pablo, to help me talk about gaming's best and bootiest, Pablo? What's going on with you, man?
1: It's just another week here of video gaming. Actually, not really. A lot of work-related stuff. Mm. Uh, trying to get as much gaming as possibly can. Have you been watching Evo at all? I have not. I have not.
0: Do you, do you ever watch that? I don't get it. I like I'll watch like a YouTube highlights thing of all like the best
1: things that happen.
0: But I don't, I don't really watch
1: anything, like, live, so. I don't either, I don't, people are loving Evo, and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember Evo ever being, I mean, it was always big, but I mean, damn, I don't know, but I'm just
0: curious. No, no, I haven't had time anyway. It was my daughter's birthday over the weekend, so, four piece. This girl's four years old, Um, everything went over well, the Lego melodrama resolved well, she didn't. She didn't break none of it. She played with it. She was she she, she knew the rules and uh, regulations, <laughs> so she did her thing. Uh, but no, it was good. It's just been a busy time, dude. I haven't... I yep. mean, I, I've been playing a good amount of video games, and we'll talk about that later on, but I just haven't had time to think about video games, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah, following yeah, no, news sure. and stuff like that. I haven't done it. Luckily, but, it's been um,
1: slow, so... It has. Uh, it has. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But we still got plenty to talk about on this week's episode, uh, including... Our five favorite JRPGs ever, how Call of Duty might be going AWOL soon, how how, uh, Pablo lied about not wanting to buy Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in the last episode, (laughs) and also how Microsoft is finessing the Activision Blizzard purchase and much more. Uh, So big show this week despite the slow news week. But before we continue, shouts out to all of our new and returning listeners for checking out this week's show. If you like us... Give our podcast a sub. We drop new episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and our official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on IG at cooldowntimepodcast to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. So Pablo, let's go ahead and jump right into the first segment of the show, which is devoted to the games that we've been playing, and we call that Loadouts.
1: All systems nominal.
0: Loadouts ready. All right, so on my loadouts this week is Pablo's Lies and Deceit. Um, (laughs) Pablo went on a little soliloquy in the last episode, talking all about how, ah, I just don't think I'm going to buy Xenoblade. I just, uh, just, uh, it's not the right time. This is not the right time. That's how he said it, too. (laughs) Pablo, what happened, man? What's going on with you?
1: I mean, it was always a time-based thing. And, you know, I just decided that I was going to just put all those other games aside and really try... Uh, My hand at Xenoblade Chronicles 3, fully expecting to kind of put, like, 20 hours into it and be like, okay, I tried. And it's not for me, just like every other Xenoblade Chronicle game has been. But, nope, that's not the case. Mm. Uh, We'll we'll get into it here uh, in a couple seconds. But, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. It was never that I was not interested. It was just that it was a time thing. And, honestly, um, you know, I'm going to have to probably stop playing, like, or, or not buy like soul, ha- soul hackers too unless it's getting like tender because i mean this game is gonna it's gonna take me a while i mean my yeah. child your, your your little girl turned four my boy turned four months and we're going through the sleep four month sleep regression thing mm. where he is not sleeping and it is it is tough out in these streets so i don't ha- whatever time i thought i had before i don't have that time at all so mm. uh yeah. i'm gonna have to pull back so i'm glad i actually kind of have this game to 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 keep me focused on just one thing, because uh, that's the o- it's the only thing I'm playing. Let's talk about this game, man. Yeah, let's do that, dude. Um, so you know, in the last episode, I
0: think I would only put in about three hours worth of time. I'm at forty hours now, and I think Pablo, mm-hmm. uh, you said offline you're around thirty hours yeah, in. About so there, we
1: almost thirty. Yeah.
0: yeah, so we got a good amount of time in here, man. Um, I'm I think I'm right at the halfway point of the game, um, and there is a lot of game here. So there's mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of different things to unpack about this uh, this gigantic game, but um, let's kind of break this down piece by piece a little bit, Pablo. And let's let's start with, um, albeit a, a spoiler free take um, of the storyline so far and how you think that's sort of hitting with you uh, from what you've seen. Talk about it.
1: Yeah, the story is super captivating. Uh, you, right up front, I mean, there's a, a a there's a scene that happens early on about about them training, and you know, I won't go any further. And that really kind of starts to uh, really drive home the point about this being a character based JRPG. But not only that, just how beautiful that cutscene looks. If I'm not mistaken, it's probably one of the first ones in that art style within that cutscene, at least the longest one, where you really notice how beautiful, beautiful the game is. Um, And and I think about JRPGs that all, they all do it, is they start off really story heavy up front and then there's a lull in the middle and then it picks up at the end of this epic uh, finish. Xenoblade Chronicles so far is not like that at all. Ain't no lulls. Mm -mm. Yeah, they have an incredible... They got this pace down. Like I, I'm playing chapter. I was finishing chapter uh three, going to chapter four, and it got to the part in chapter three. Where it was like, all right, where is this going? And then right when I start even thinking about maybe this, they're stretching this out a little bit, you go right into that to that final part of that chapter, which is one of the best things of any JRPG I've seen in the last probably ten years. Yeah. Uh the way they bookend every chapter with what could essentially be the ending of any other JRPG um, is, is absolutely incredible so much so much time and effort was put into this story and it's captivating as hell I love the hell out it's probably one of my favorite JRPG stories so far of probably ever I, and, and I'm, I'm speaking hyperbole here because I'm not finished with the game but the way I'm feeling right now uh, in terms of like I, I played two JRPGs last year with, um, uh, with Tales, uh, of Arise. Tales of Arise yeah and what was the other one that I played? The Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, yeah. Um and I, I, I can't I, I can't even begin to tell you how much more this game operates on a whole different level than those games. Specifically, tell of Arise being an excellent JRPG, this is just... It, they're not even in the same league, in my opinion. But not at I love I love the story. Love the story so much.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, man. The characters uh, are also a big part of that, too. Um, there's such a balance between each character. Um, a lot of JRPGs are very top-heavy in terms of like the hero that you play as is always kind of overpowering everybody else in the party Um, but this is a much more balanced team to the point where like Noah who's the lead character in the game he's not always front and center like they'll they'll kind of feature somebody else in 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 a chapter as instead of him and um, he'll be in to kind of support the the plot and keep it moving but um, I really like the way that they kept that so uh, even Uh, at least so far um, I'm sure so it'll far, probably yeah. ramp up and might centralize more on him in, in later on. Who knows? We'll see. But
1: let me th- ask yeah. you
0: a quick question
1: because you're further than me. Is every chapter seemingly concentrating on a different hero or a different... or? It, it just it, it kind of weaves in and out of that. It's not specific to chapters. It weaves in and out. It's not yeah, okay, it's okay. not chapter specific. I like that.
0: Yeah. I like that. I do too yeah. cuz then it becomes too formulaic and then you just that's know, right, oh, this right. is mm-hmm. his chapter now, you know. Right. Um they they do a really good job to that point though of of plot threads and really making you kind of get the buildup first before they show you kind of the the crescendo of a situation that's going on with somebody. And, and it always works, man. It always works at the right time. Um, I think you kind of touched on it, but they don't keep you waiting too long. Um, Just when you start going, okay, what, okay, what is this actually going to be now? They answer that question for you. Um, And from where I am now, they they continue to do that and lift the veil on even more things. And you kind of know a bit more of the lay of the land but they introduce more questions in, in a really nice way to keep you guessing about what's going to happen yeah. next. So yeah. you, this isn't one of those really predictable stories. Um, some stuff I figured out already. Some stuff I have no clue where they're going. Um, and yeah. I really like that a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this story for sure. Um, before we move on, from what you played so far, can you give me, it doesn't have to be in any order, but your top three favorite characters in the party?
1: Um, I, I really like obviously noah yeah um but i i really like kind of right now i'm big on lands mm-hmm. uh and his story right now everything that's happening on Tayon is uh, great uh but that's really, my three right there yeah that's g three okay yeah. yeah so Noah lands and, and taon but the one that the one that's really interesting to me is eunice because oh, she uni. has something going on and i and i'm dying to find out what it is and mm-hmm. she's really like disturbed by it and it's really it's a really cool like moment in, in that game where i was like what the fuck is a great what the fuck moment that's a big and one so yeah yeah and so i'm definitely uh, i like her but those are my three okay uh, cool. and i think i think the lands and 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 the the uni thing kind of they go back and forth because of where they are in the story but Tayon and, and noah are like the best yeah Tayon is he's so yeah. he
0: was so his his voice acting perfect yeah perfect yeah, um, yeah yeah okay now let's move on to combat now this is you want depth in a combat system boy does this game have it mm. um As as you've continued to get acclimated uh, to the combat system, as it continues introducing some stuff uh, into the equation, um,
1: what are your thoughts on it so far? How's it hitting you, too? I think if you if you look at it on paper and tell you hey this this combat system is has auto attack and then it has something called the chain system then it has something called interlinking then it has a fusion class uh, fusion system that has class switching you're going to be like all right no thanks but the way that they implement that into the game and it's not even like I thought it was going to be even slower over time it's pretty they're pretty back to back and and I like the way they do that because again auto attack is fine that as a mechanic on its own but you never feel like you're just standing there and letting the character do its thing. Cause you're constantly managing these, these menus within the screen where it's like, all right, is my chain system thing up? Is mm-hmm. my interlink or my full power? Okay. If I switch my interlink to the other person, like in the fusion system that works and all, all, all that stuff is, is constantly there. And it almost feels like you're managing stuff through a menu without the actual menu and not having to really worry about, uh, uh, auto attacking i also like the distinctions they made between certain classes of the um agnes class and the kev's class where yeah. Kevis class where it's like kev's just the the things full up fill up on their own mm-hmm. and the agnian class they fill up with uh, auto attacks like those little small distinctions there really show you how much in depth they got into this uh, into this uh, combat system i think it's it's excellent i i am never a fan of the auto attack stuff i thought that shit is boring Uh, and I maybe it's maybe three does an excellent job uh, more so than the other games, but I think maybe I just never gave it a proper shake, uh, in terms of like getting that, uh, to develop. But man, I I love this combat system. This is like the perfect in between, uh, of of turn based and action based because there are action parts in terms of how you press a button and get that reaction, right? And then the everything, the menu managing stuff. I, I think this is one of, again, Maybe hyperbole, but one of the better uh, fighting mechanics in any JRPG that I've played in the last few yeah. years. So it's it's excellent. It's, it's really smart and uh, genius. I, 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 I am in love with it. Um, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of, of time to really wrap your head around everything especially when you get to the chain system and the chain system and how certain attacks you should go because they'll give you over 100 yep. or, or, or cap you at 99 those little things you'll get used to it as you'll and honestly um, maybe it's a must later on the road but if you if you fail one or two and don't get all the way past 100% you're fine it's not like a huge uh, uh, miss but yeah it's great it's absolutely excellent
0: yeah I have to echo everything you just said um, I'd also add in that I really like how with enemies out there like in the, in the, in the wild There are like legendary enemies and like the ones like the tiers of of difficulty, so that you can, oh, I'm going to go after that one so I can get more XP and level up my classes. Like, it really takes some of the monotony out of just seeing a a bunch of enemies on a map and going, well, it's just all kind of, it's a little bit that one, little that one. Then there's like tiers of difficulty within there. And then on top of that, also there's the levels because they have some of them that are roaming around that are like, 40 levels over your head almost like a a, like a demon souls dark souls kind of vibe it's like oh i know i can't fight you right away or elden ring kind of thing um so i really love that a lot i think um it is a lot to wrap your head around but i think it all pays off in the end because once you realize how all of these things weave together so well um it's it's almost hard to mentally think about other jrpgs because you look at those and you're like that's just like it's like baby mode jrpg compared to this yeah. there's no, there's yeah, no yeah. thinking i have to do um i do think it can be a little too complex when it comes to um picking which arts you want then which skills you want and then, thank god they have the auto thing where you can auto yes, assign I oh do that. Yeah. my god i that's a god that's a godsend but
1: yeah, um
0: yeah. i think it's great man i i really do i I genuinely enjoy combat in that game a lot, especially the chain attacks. Yeah. Those those are awesome when they That's all do the so team dope. moves
1: together. Oh, so fire! Yeah, um, I agree though. I, I I don't like the class switching stuff too much either. I, I think it's there's twenty four different classes, I believe, and you almost have to switch classes because you cap out pretty fairly quickly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, so it, it just feels a little bit kind of like oh, I wish that this was a little different, but it's not a it's not a deal breaker at all for me in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. Um, I know that later in the game they'll expand the level cap up to twenty. Um, yeah. But by that point, you should be focusing on like what you want a particular yeah, character to, exactly. to specialize, mm-hmm. and then only build mm-hmm. around that, um, and then you know work around that from there, and then you should be okay. But
1: yeah, because they basically replace like instead of changing equipment like weapons and armor, mm-hmm. you basically do that class switching stuff, right? Instead of that, which is which is which is its own thing, and it's. It's different. It's, yeah. it's cool. It's just, at first, it it's like, oh, they're all at 10. And, and you get into your head, like, should I be switching over? And, <laughs> oh, man, I lose I lose HP if I yeah. switch to this class. I lose, you know, attack. I was like, ah. But really, it doesn't matter. Because like Marco said, as the game progresses, you really focus on, I want these characters to do this. And then you just build off that. Right. But, yeah, the auto thing is, is I, that's, maybe Noah is the only one that I mess with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody else, I pretty much auto um, upgrade yeah. in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh,
0: and the last thing I'll, I'll say uh, just in regards to the, the world and environments and presentation is I think they, they've outdone themselves this time. A um, little less whimsy compared to the first two games where it was just everything was a bright, vivid color that popped. And, and now it's a little bit more muted and it feels more grimy and sort of not quite like war-torn per se because it's, it's still a JRPG. So they're going to still try to be pretty about it. But um, they're not afraid to kind of make the game look a little muddy. Um, And that's a risky thing to do from a design standpoint, because everything can look a little brown and swamp butt. But like it's um, I think it pays off because it really speaks to the story of what's going on between these rival, um, you know, uh, factions and and just the the endless battle that's taking place everywhere. Um, I think they did a good job of kind of pulling back on that a little bit and not making it so cutesy bootsy everywhere. Um, But the scale of every area I mean the size and scope is just unbelievable. Um there's a lot of those really big wow moments of like I feel like an ant in this yeah. location. Um so I really appreciate that stuff too. And I think the music's good. We talked about the voice acting a second ago with Tyon, but like the voice acting is so great. Repeating dialogue a little bit
1: made Pablo's ears bleed a little bit, but uh my god, that's and I that's, that's they got to patch that out. I mean uh, yeah, I know. Certain yeah. as to girl with the gulp, but you gotta relax, baby girl. She got gone, man. Let hey, me tell uh, you. one thing. I, one thing I will say in re- in response to that is a lot of JRPGs kind of clash between um, the 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 overall story and like kind of the silliness of the JRP, uh, you know, Japanese tropes and stuff. Yeah. Like one of my favorite RPGs, w- which I talk about, is is famous for that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but. Um, one thing I will say that's a little annoying and there are growing on me is the no ponds. They, those, I never like those things and they are growing on me a little bit. You know, they, 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 I'm, I won't spoil what they do, but, uh, yeah. I, I like that a little, but ultimately for me, those are the only things that come across, you know, like kind of like, all right, shut the fuck up. Like, it's- yeah, <laughs> there are these,
0: for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, they are these like furry egg shaped creatures that, that talk in like intentionally broken English, um, in, a, in an attempt yeah. to sound cute, but they can yeah. be a little a little extra. I will say, compared to the first two games, they are way more tolerable uh, that's than what the I last heard. ones. Yeah, it's brutal yeah. in the first two. I was like, shut... I mean, you in the first game, you'd go to a whole colony of nopons and all they did yeah, was yeah. just... just everything that could possibly be obnoxious in a, in a yeah. JRPG kind of way. It was terrible.
1: And I remember the second game when I played a little bit of that, when I met that, that first nopon. Ugh. It was so annoying. Um... But Riku, for me, is, is much more tolerable. Yeah. Manana... Yeah. She put Manana the got, Manana. She gotta go, dog. Yeah, but... Uh occasional yeah. blemishes aside i think this is uh, oh but that's not even that, that's that's not for me that's not even, even. That's the bad. worst thing about yeah. this game one thing one thing i'll we'll say uh, if we're talking about things that we don't like too much there is a tad bit of redundancy after every incredible cutscene. then it comes down to the scenes where it's either voice or not voice and they're kind of repeating information again i'm like all right i i know i just saw it happen mm-hmm. but again that is Absolutely nothing. If that's the worst thing about the game, and honestly, that is a, one of the some of the worst things about the game, and it, that's nothing. It's so good, it's so good. My God, this yeah. is this is going to be a tough. Um, I, I I think I said on 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 Twitter that I'm pretty sure, like ninety nine point nine percent sure, that Elden Ring and Xenoblade Chronicles three are locked in my top three of the year. Mm. I mean, I, there's nothing that's going to change that. Maybe God of War comes in that, at three or comes in in the top three uh but i don't know i just don't see any other game that's really gonna top this i mean it is it is so good i know
0: we're talking a lot of jrpgs in this episode you guys out there but like this game is uh this one this one's different this one's very 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 good i agree so uh, yeah man so that's kind of all we've been doing we've just been playing some xenoblade and and uh, Mm -hmm. making progress so um that is gonna do it uh for loadouts this week let's go ahead and jump into um the new segment of the show uh, that we call uh i was gonna say loadouts again but we actually call that hit points let's do it for breaking news rumors and booty juice it's time for hit points all right so we got a couple of uh interesting ones to talk about this week again it was kind of a slower um news week i not sure if that's yeah. a good thing or a bad thing if it's like something looming but yeah nevertheless ramping up yeah uh, let's talk about microsoft for a little while though um, Pablo, Microsoft has officially justified their $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard by telling regulators that the company doesn't produce must-have games. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, Specifically, uh, with respect to Activision, this is a quote, I'm sorry. Specifically, with respect to Activision Blizzard video games, there is nothing unique about the video games developed and published by Activision Blizzard that is a must-have for rival PC and console video game distributors that could give rise to a foreclosure concern, read Microsoft uh, in their response to New Zealand's uh, Commerce Commission. Um, So Pablo, I guess the question here is, how do we feel about this verbiage from Microsoft and will this or can this trigger any sort of regulatory bs meter to go off
1: look it's all bs you got sony on the other end all of a sudden praising call of duty as if it was the is like the one of the best and most important games of of the entire history of video games because they're playing the game and xbox is playing the game here's the thing is microsoft trying to hide something i i I think they're playing fast and loose with certain aspects of the truth because when you ask if it's a must play, because it's an, it's a response to that, it, it, that is subjective. Like, and the question can only be answered in a subjective manner. And Microsoft can say, yeah, you don't have any must play games, you know, because it, they're playing the game. The thing, the thing that what really annoys me about this whole situation is that we got websites. Twitter insiders or fake Twitter insiders, you got influencers covering this and you can tell they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to acquisitions. And so they're creating this narrative that Xbox might be on the on the edge of not being able to acquire Activision Blizzard. They're not. This isn't a witch hunt. This is due diligence every time anybody is going to be acquired, they are put through the ringer in these commissions. This isn't a new... People are reporting this like, a new commission has been put together to a question. No, they're not. This is what they do. They go through all the commissions in all different parts of the country because it's due diligence. It's literally what you have to do when you're going to acquire anything, whether it be $68, $98, $100 billion or $367 billion. It's, it's not one of those things. The thing is, when you look at... Microsoft, in the video game uh, world, even with this acquisition, they still won't beat Sony or Tencent in terms of publishing outright when it comes to money. so it, it, And they also, you have to look at it, they also are taking on the responsibility of developing a Call of Duty game, taking on the cost that, that it, it does, to it, it the cost that it, it, it takes to make those games. So this is all a bunch of nothing, but it is funny that Microsoft is purchasing a company a video game company and they're saying they don't have any must-have games it's 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 definitely a like yeah it's bullshit of course it's bullshit they wouldn't they wouldn't buy if they didn't think they have must-have games I do think that a part of it is Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard because of the IP itself which could for which can be beyond video games you can make a Call of Duty movie you can make an Overwatch movie or anything like that they have now the ability to do that which is going to be beyond that but you know, it's, it's silly. It's silly to think that this deal isn't going to go through. When you look at AT&T, Time Warner, Heinz, Kraft, Disney, 21st century, AOL, Time Warner, Pfizer, and Warner, was it Warner, Lambert, whatever, billions, hundreds, hundreds of billions of, of money in terms of acquisitions, all, they, they all did the same thing. And they became a bigger conglomerate. That all went through, no problem. Same shit. It's all fine. It's just, it's just funny that, that Xbox and Microsoft would say, no must-have games. That's a <laughs> slap in the face, man. <laughs> it, it,
0: it's hilarious. Uh, let's spend $68.7 billion on a on a company with no must-have games. Sure, yeah. buddy. Sure, um, yeah. This is, this is the pimp game of Microsoft. This is Phil Spencer just... Just being his best toxic self and just completely negging uh this company just just to get this whole thing done and then yeah and then they're gonna they're gonna run activision blizzard stuff through the moon uh in, in future showcases and stuff and yeah, and it it's hilarious i mean it's it's like an inside joke in the gaming community of like look at what yeah. look at what they're saying and and they're just gonna these people that are regulating this are gonna go oh okay like they don't even know any better
1: and, and that's yeah. the funny oh, they- part so all they're going to see is the sales numbers and figures and they're going to see okay within this industry they they wouldn't even be the biggest yeah. so you know that's all they see that's all they have to see they don't they, they don't have to concern themselves with subjectivity in terms of what is or what not isn't really. a must no. have game you know that's not really their job so th- microsoft saying this means nothing but it's, it's funny because they're definitely like, you know, like, yeah, no, they don't really got anything we want to play. Yeah. I mean,
0: and on the Sony side of things, um, I believe they also said something to the effect of um, to make a game like Call of Duty would take, you know, X amount of years or they just said it would be difficult to make this kind of game or that games like this are, are they're not they're not around a lot so that they were kind of trying to speak to um, not necessarily a monopoly or anything like that, but just like. How could this not be a must-have game or, or or one of the biggest games in the world? Because not everybody can make a game like this. I do yeah. think in in some respects that's true. Maybe not maybe not on a game to game basis, but when you think about like the pipeline of Activision of like constantly up to maybe now having having <laughs> yeah. them out every year, like you can't find a lot of companies that can do stuff like that. Even Assassin's also, Creed folded after a while. Yeah, so that's true.
1: But also Microsoft, like a point that I made is Microsoft is also taking in the actual monetary responsibility to make these games which are not cheap right it isn't like they're getting something for free it's not like they're okay now because now okay now microsoft owns it now they have to be responsible to making one of the biggest franchises of all time and also being successful at it so there there is a there is a huge uh risk that they're taking and look from everything we've seen and everything they said, I don't know how true this is, is Call of Duty probably is going to stay multi-plat because of the multiplayer aspect of it. Whether or not that's the case going forward, we'll have to see. Uh, But... Uh, um, yeah, it, it's 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 a weird. It's weird because it's never happened within the video game industry before. But it isn't really weird when, when it comes to the whole business aspect of it. I work for a company that was uh, that was bought out by a bigger company just a couple of years ago, and the transition has transition to that was huge, and it was painstaking there was a lot of this stuff a lot of people saying certain things about the company i work for that was like wait what but then why are they buying this for it this is common very common but it's not common with the video game, so i get it but yeah but sony sony has to say that because sony has to protect a huge fan base that plays in their system that plays call of Duty's in there they they're they're, sony's doing what they're supposed to be doing and and, well yeah
0: and there's some legitimacy to it to an extent yeah because they also did pay for marketing you know um Exclusive marketing stuff for for a time as well recently. So I know they're they're kind of, you know, figuring out what they're going to do minus Call of Duty uh, in the future. Um, Speaking of which, though, uh, the part two of this is also that uh, Activision has confirmed that, quote unquote, premium content for Call of Duty is planned for 2023, uh, which may indicate, Pablo, that there will not be a new Call of Duty title releasing next year at all. and that Activision will rely on DLC to bridge the gap until 2024. Now, this speculation... Uh, Seems to be stemming from the rumors earlier this year that the 2023 Call of Duty title has been delayed after not meeting internal expectations. Um, So I guess the question with this is um, between Microsoft's stake in this and I guess really when you think about it now, the pressure this will put on Modern Warfare 2 uh, to deliver for an extended period of time. um, What's our take on this possibility for Call of Duty kind of going MIA for a year?
1: Yeah, thank God. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> finally. Uh, listen, Vanguard came out. That was this year or last year, right? Uh, Vanguard last year. came out. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, Vanguard came out last year. And we were still really high on the uh, Cold War. We really loved Cold War. If that game would have kept on going for another year with with significant dlc new maps weapons we might still be playing it because i think we like that way better than vanguard ultimately at at the end of the day yeah yeah i don't i don't think call of duty needs specifically because of the multiplayer component i don't think it needs to be a yearly release like every year it's like a gamble will this idea that somebody had three years ago still play now and, and following up their own games like having to follow up Cold War or Vanguard they didn't go well now now Modern Warfare 2 and whatever would have came out last year has to follow one of the biggest most anticipated Call of Duties uh, in a long time because people love the Modern Warfare games so I, I, I think that this makes a lot of sense in the long run I think this helps out Microsoft as well hmm. because they don't have that pressure on them to have to make a Call of Duty game every year now If the if, if this works you know if warfare comes out and it's great and then it, they they really support it and they release that new um Warzone 2.0 and it, and it really just carries that over by the time 2024 comes around and the new Call of Duty there's going to be that anticipation Assassin's Creed did it when with Origins when uh, they went uh, uh MIA for I think almost 2 years uh after Syndicate and all of a sudden they had um no not Syndicate after Unity and then they had Origins came out, which changed the way that you play Assassin's Creed, but I love that Assassin's Creed. Uh, the ones subsequently, not so much, but so, and it created that kind of like, oh man, this, this, this series has been gone for so long. Now, I'm ready for its next iteration. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm excited to see what they do. I, I don't think that Call of Duty ever, for a long time anyway, really benefited from the yearly release schedule. Um, it, it was just, it was messy. It was too much. It, this franchise is way too big for it to be so hit and miss. You know, it, 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 they can't do that. And, and, they, and they've survived long enough with the whole throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks year by year release date. I think it's time that a successful franchise starts acting like one and release when it's ready. You know, Yeah,
0: I don't disagree, but I think that the Microsoft component of this is where it gets a little interesting because when you think about it, Modern Warfare 2 is going to be available everywhere, right? So if there's a future, hypothetically, obviously, yeah. where Call of Duty becomes an exclusive to Xbox, sure. that wouldn't happen until the next Call of Duty comes out, which will be two years from now. So mm-hmm. if Microsoft wanted to go in the direction of saying, you know what, we're going to keep this over here um, for whatever reason, they wouldn't basically, they wouldn't reap the benefits of having that as an exclusive on Xbox for a long time. So I, it, it would kind of keep them on a level playing field with Sony um, for the foreseeable future because all everyone will have is Modern Warfare 2. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing. It's not, it's not to say that I think it would hurt anybody but it would make the acquisitions benefit of having things potentially exclusive to xbox not be able to happen for a longer period of time for call of duty if that's the route they would want to go um now when it comes to modern warfare 2 i think this puts a lot of pressure on this game to deliver it does Um, i didn't put but you're right yeah it does i know that a lot of people really swear by the first the the modern warfare reboot uh from i think it was 2019
1: and I didn't. I didn't particularly care for it. I don't think you did either, Same. right? Did not. Yeah. I, I, that, that, maps were terrible. Spawn points were awful. The story was boring.
0: Yeah. I. I. I was not a fan of it. But I know this is everybody else's jam. But in saying that, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond to this. And this is really kind of a first for them uh, in a while to see. Can you create? Two years worth of content for this game, um, and and keep people engaged, especially when you're diverting their attention to the all new Warzone that's coming. So, uh, how are you going to keep this th- these all these plates spinning while other games are coming out in the industry that people want to play too? Like that's going to be really hard. And I don't think that Call of Duty has ever really been in a position like this in, in terms of the mainline games um to just consistently deliver and keep people coming back um this game can't suck <laughs> it's kind of the thing now and i don't know about I mean, a lot of people are high on what they saw the game so far i know they're going to do a multiplayer reveal soon i think but uh, september 15th yeah everything i've seen man is just looking they like ha- the same
1: they have to be pretty high on it uh, because if that's the des- decision they're going to make, I, here's what I wonder. I wonder if they haven't officially made that decision yet because they're trying to f- find out and see how this game does. And maybe next year we get the next Call of Duty, like we got uh, Black Ops 4 where it was multiplayer only or something like that, uh, which could be the case. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, I know that. I think it's been officially confirmed that PlayStation does have exclusivity marketing rights for the next three games after this one or including this one, the two more games. So, you know, I I don't think it's I don't think it'll hurt Microsoft too much in that way because they have to kind of release the games on everything. I I just wonder. You're right. It it all hinges on on this game right here being uh, good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it's not good, you're going to be spending the the next
0: couple years making
1: it good. Unless Warzone is like Warzone 2.0 is like this incredible thing that is like maybe you know yeah. that that's that's probably their, their their year two plan is just focus on that. Um, uh, yeah, I know one thing's for sure, they're gonna lose money because every year, year in, year out, whether they're not making whether they're whether they didn't make the money that they made in previous games, they're always the number one selling game mm-hmm. and they're gonna miss that out next year and they know that so they 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 have they're banking on something and it's not going to be money. It's got to probably be goodwill or, or, or the fact that 2.0, oh Warzone 2.0 is going to give them that money with a kind of purchase, in-game purchases. I don't know. They're taking a big risk here. I wonder if it's because of the acquisition. They're kind of winding down a little bit. Kind of like, all right, well, it's not going to be our problem anymore. I wonder if that's something that's happening or maybe even Microsoft is kind of like, Hey, how about we just slow down a little bit? Uh, you know, may- maybe there's something, uh, some kind of verbal agreement there. Uh, but we'll see what happens, man. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think it's about time that we, we don't get a yearly release of Call of Duty. I do, I do agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, man, it's so much year after year. And like I said, it's such a massive franchise to be so hit and miss. It's crazy. It's insane.
0: Yeah. And the other problem is that by going annual or staying annual as a Microsoft franchise, Mm -hmm. now you not only run the risk of cannibalizing yourself as Call of Duty, but now you're potentially cannibalizing other Xbox games, especially if you're trying to get Halo Infinite back on the right track again over the next year or so. You're putting Forge in. You're putting online co-op in.
1: Right. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying, like, how are you going to pull that off, man? Like, what do you want people to play? Right, you have Warzone, you have Call of Duty here. You have a year's worth of DLC coming for it. Now you want us to also play Halo. Like if you're Microsoft and I don't mean to turn this into a Microsoft tangent, but what do you want your fans to do? You know, it's yeah. nice to have options for there's a little something for everybody, but if you keep diverting our attention everywhere, there, there is and I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but I feel like there's a drawback to having this many franchises and studios under your belt. Because you, yes, you have a great flow of content coming, but now you, you run the risk of they're just scattering the community so spread so thin that now no one community is ever going to be really really strong, um, or, or 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 games that that start off like sluggish can't really ever bounce back because there's always going to be something new coming up behind it that'll just completely shut
1: it down. And I don't, I, and I don't completely trust Xbox in being about the player in this sense Mm. are they focused on giving everybody a fan of of call of duty a fan of gears of war fans of halo fans of fable fans of anything racing with um with horizon are they are they focused on that or are they just laser focused on subscriptions if they're laser focused on subs and call of duty is getting them subs there might be there might be a future where Xbox and Game Pass we're not seeing those great franchises we love for decades, five, six, seven years, because they want to move the needle when it comes to uh, to that. One of the one of the insiders, not an insider, but like a financial insider said that if this Activision Blizzard deal does go through and Call of Duty is as big as it's ever been, that Game Pass could see a hundred million subs. Right. by end of its console cycle which is insane first and foremost and if it's led by call of duty why would they do anything else but call but, but, uh, by call of duty because they've made all the money in the world at this point yeah so, and you you can yeah.
0: you can deprioritize other projects um
1: yeah regardless it, of how regardless of how how much people love them how much they're reviewed well If they're not selling like Call of Duty, what's the point of making that? And that's, I am scared of that. Yeah. Yeah. I am a little bit uh, afraid of like, man, am I gonna not see Gears of War six or seven for like, I won't. Am I going to see those two games in twenty years? You know what I mean, mm-hmm. in the span of twenty years, because they're so focused on this. I hope that's not the case, and I hope that they don't become mini Activision and Blizzard, where basically uh, every other <laughs> yeah. studio becomes a Call of Duty support studio. That would suck. That would be
0: awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just something we'll have to keep an eye on. There is a there is a yeah. cost to this type of success in, in, a, in expansion, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage all these these moving parts for sure. Um, for sure. But let's move on to our next hit point news item. Uh, and let's go to Nintendo for this one. Um, a new trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet was shown to reveal the new Palladia region uh, as well as uh, Terrestrial uh, Pokemon types along with some more battle stuff and uh, other things as well. Um, The Pokemon community, uh, by and large, sounds predominantly negative about the game overall. But, um, Pablo, for a few moments, uh, tell me what you thought about the trailer, and then uh, how do you feel about just kind of the Pokemon community and uh, what you've seen of their response to this game so far?
1: Yeah, I don't know what they want. Um, I I know a lot of... um, Actually there's two kinds of there's a few kinds of pokemon fans but the ones that i'm talking about are either ones that are skeptical about pokemon scarlet and violet being the game they've always wanted and others that are just just are gonna hate on everything that, that that they do because that's kind of like their thing right um pokemon has always had the ability to show a trailer off and show these new things and, and show them off as these incredible new way to play. And when you play the game, it's like, oh, this is just this. Like the, I forgot what they had here in the new Scarlet, but it's kind of like the Gigamax. Uh, uh, from, it's the terrestrial uh,
0: thing where yeah. they all look like crystals or something that's
1: right yeah which is kind of like the uh, the gigamax thing from sword and shield like they just change the name of things and 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 how they work a little bit but i'm okay with that because every time i play a pokemon game i'm like oh this is pretty good that all that shit aside the open world aspect of it the art style everything about the game looks great i i'm really into to, to what they're showing here um but i can understand people who are a little skeptical about is this really the game that they've been waiting for? Uh, but the, the other fans, the ones that are just here to hate on everything, these guys, man, they, they, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if they show Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and then they're fully voiced, every character. They're going to still find some shit to say. Oh, the voice acting is terrible. <laughs> like it, it's it, There's always something to, to, to be had. And it's these po- Pokemon fans specifically just seem to be like, some of the shittiest fans, like, do you like Pokemon or hate it? Because I don't, it's so hard to tell what, with the way you complain about it. Like, I could go through everybody's complaints about this Pokemon game, and I swear to God, they probably talk the same <laughs> shit about Legends. They talk the same shit about Sword and Shield and every yeah. other one that they were playing. They probably have their favorite one was, like, blue, red, and that's it. And, like, they, they've been chasing that high ever since, I guess. But, God damn, don't play these games then. Like, geez, it's, it's, it's so crazy to me. Pokemon fans
0: are whack. They're the wack. They're they're among the wackest communities, man. Uh, of gamers, like I can't stand listening to them talk about this this series. I get that, and we've 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 dunked on Pokemon in the past before Arceus came out and said that, yo, this game, these games are in the Stone Ages. Like they should have evolved by now. No pun intended. Like, and and <laughs> we're getting that. What's that? I was just laughed. You said we should evolve by now. Yeah. Oh, you know, well, it's what I do. Uh, wordplay. <laughs> no, but look, I mean, here's the thing. It's you really got to go out of your way to be super, super toxic towards Pokemon, because if, if for everything that they do well, people tend to try to create caveats in their head. Yeah, but they did that, but they didn't do this. Yeah, well, they have that now, but they didn't add this in. Or they, they took this out because that was in the other game, and now it's gone in this game. Like, listen, these these games, first of all, they're, they're all being made pretty much simultaneously, right? So if there's an issue where something in Arceus is not in this game, it's probably because they were making those games in tandem with each other. And maybe maybe this game was in development for a lot, a lot longer of a time than Arceus was. We don't know. But, like... I just think that, like, there is an insufferability to Pokemon fans where even when the game looks good, they can't, it's almost like they have trust issues or something. Like, they just can't take a good thing as a good thing. Like, they have to break this trailer down frame by frame and tell me that the game is ugly looking. Like, you know, if you guys don't realize, we talked about this last week with, you know, first impressions of Xenoblade. Like, if you don't realize you're playing a game on a Switch and Switch games aren't going to look the greatest. Go get a Steam Deck or something. Like, just don't, just don't bother because these games are going to look a
1: little booty. They are, yeah. So just deal with it, like, or don't deal with that's it. That's just, that's just it. That's just it. That's the, If if you've committed yourself to be a Switch player, then you have to commit yourself to understand that these games are not going to look like games that are playing on your PS5 or Xbox Series X. Right. Come on, guys.
0: And and if there's if there's features that are missing, Pokemon that are missing, things that you were hoping would be there that are not there. Welcome to every video game ever. Like. Yeah, it, that is every video game ever guys like so i i man i actually just it was so bad of a response that i uh i took a like a break for the rest of the week of not reading or hearing any video game discourse like at all it's just something yeah. about the response to this game like really kind of soured me on hearing anybody talk about video games but you and me <laughs> like it's and, and so I, bad and th-
1: the thing is that the funny thing is is like we were a little guilty of that uh but almost in jest when we talked about uh legends about yeah. oh yeah we're we'll playing right. that game in 15 frames like yeah we know and so maybe we're part of the problem or were but we we've come to realize i think with the switch specifically this year i think that this these games are just gonna be what they're gonna be and yeah. visually and we have to enjoy for what they are and we can all day be critical of every game on Switch because it doesn't look like an Xbox Series X game. And it, it's so that is the worst criticism you can give a game. Be critical of a game because it's not on something else. Like, it isn't exclusive to the Switch. And so if you want to play that game, that's where you play it. And that's it. Period. Done. Over. Enjoy the games you have for what they are, not for what they could be sure Absolutely Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and 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 uh, Scarlet and uh, Violet would look incredible on a PlayStation 5. That would be amazing. They're not going to be on those systems. Yeah. So stop thinking about it that way because it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to be a thing. Yeah, and and ultimately even when it comes to
0: features and modes and stuff if you're bitter because it doesn't have something you got to fin- you got to play the game in its full context first. It, you can't just take things yeah. at face value like if I read about what Arceus was Um, I'm not sure if I would have been sold on it, but I had to, uh, eventually I had to make a choice to to play it myself and see for myself of, okay, how do all these elements come together for this game? Why don't they have this? Oh, it's because they're doing that instead. Like you can connect the dots when you play the game, but you don't have to play the game. And that it, it's almost like the last of us argument we had a few weeks ago. Like guys, you don't have to buy what you don't want. If it doesn't look right. like your your type of Pokemon thing, then wait. Do what we did. Me and Pablo didn't always play Pokemon. We took breaks. We came back yeah. later, and we're like, okay, maybe now it's at a point where we're ready to come back and see what they're what they're talking about y'all gotta just just don't buy it don't buy it not yeah. every game is for everybody man and sometimes franchises go in various different directions some of our favorite franchises me and Pablo's, have gone through facelifts and complete overhauls over the years it happens to every franchise and nintendo's no exception so like yeah stop being corny about it though you know like <laughs> and especially like, and again it comes back to like the people that are excited about this game like leave them alone Like, leave those people alone. If they're excited about it, they're not part of the problem. That's your problem. They just want the game because it looks dope. So stop coming up on these Twitter threads and attacking people. Oh, you're you're the reason why they keep, you know, not putting this mode back in the game again. Like, leave people alone, man.
1: And look, and it's okay if you're a friend of the show, Justin, uh, we talked a little bit about the, the reveal. He's a huge, huge, massive Pokemon fan, and he has certain expectations as to what he wants his Pokemon game to be. He saw uh, what Scarlet and Violet showed, and he admitted to me that, I don't know, I, there's something about the trailer he said that doesn't really speak to me as a Pokemon fan, like certain things that I, w- I wish they had and didn't have. However... I'm going to play the shit out of this game. And if I really like it, then I really like it. And if I don't, I don't. I think that's the attitude to have. I think you could look at something and be like, oh, I'm, of I don't know if this is the thing that I want out of Pokemon. And then the game comes out, you give it a chance or not. And if you like it, then great. If not, then you move on to the next one. I think that's a healthy way of looking at it. Instead of like, this is a destruction, a bastardization of my childhood. <laughs> not a bastardization? This is, <laughs> it, the, this is the end of Pokemon as we like the, these huge, like, overly reactive people who just want something to say online and, and be like so uh, dramatic about this stuff it mm-hmm. just is it's pointless bullshit wait for the game to come out play it if you don't uh, just, by the way me and marco could play this game and absolutely hate it there, oh, of yeah. course there's, there's possibility, and we're not going to be shy to talk about it when it comes to that but that's after we experience the game you know yep. um and so, this is interesting. It's been an interesting year for Switch players. Uh, kind of an eye-opening year for me in that way as well. Uh, so, I'm I'm excited to see what this game is about. Uh, everything I saw was pretty dope. I was, so I was in I'm, for all I'm, of it. I'm, I'm like, all about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It looked good to me. So, you know... Um it is a little weird that it's coming out the same year as Arceus did. I think that's probably my only thing. I'm like, man, it might be a little bit of Pokemon exhaustion there, but like not because yeah. of the game's merits for what it's, it's attempting to do. Absolutely not. That's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll keep tabs on that, but we won't keep tabs on you corn balls out there who uh, can't stand that people like what you don't like. Sorry. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump in, man, to the main event of the cooldown Time podcast that we call... The checkpoint chat. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, man. So, um, in the spirit of uh, you know, talking about Xenoblade Chronicles three and just kind of how it stacked up to other JRPGs, that got us to thinking, um, what our top five JRPGs happen to be. Uh, so we are going to go round robin and uh, go from five all the way up to our number ones. Um, and uh, talk through which JRPGs that we've played uh, just have kind of stuck with us the most and what made them uh, so great or so near and dear uh, to our hearts. Um, So, Pablo, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first. Um, Talk about your number five favorite JRPG of all time and, uh, and why it's there.
1: Yeah, I mean, before I do that, real quick, you can tell by our list, who had a PlayStation growing up? Who had a Nintendo growing up? Who had a X? Who was an Xbox guy? Who was a PlayStation guy? Cause I come from a line of ownership in terms of my consoles that really never skewed to JRPGs other than the SNES and NES. Uh, but the, so you can tell here, but uh i just kind of want to get that caveat out there i thought that was super interesting looking at each other's list is like oh yeah of course i remember him playing that i, I remember him being all about that And it's mm-hmm. like my 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 introduction to jrpgs was far and few be like like the way i played them were far and few between uh and uh but we'll, we'll get into it now my number five is a game that is the only game on my list that i've never f- completed it's pr- uh Persona 5 Royal, and I, uh, yes, it's a weird way to start off the list by mentioning a game that I've not beat yet. But I will say I've played this game twice, and I've put about 60 hours each time I played it. So ostensibly, I have about 120 hours into a game (laughs) I've never beat. Uh, But it is hard to have a top five list of JRPG and not have Persona 5 on there. It is stylistically the best JRPG, I think. I think the story is, just like Chronicles 3, is incredibly engaging. Uh, I think that the characters are awesome. I think everything that this game does is the quintessential JRPG running at com. Running at all power, it is an absolute masterpiece of the game. The problem is, it's so long that I, in the way that I am as a person, I lose interest around the around the same time each time. Not that I lose interest, just so long, and it's it's weird for me. It's a weird one for me because I should just go through the game and finish it, and I might one of these days. But as it stands right now, it is a true modern classic it's daunting it's it's all consuming with it's story but I think ultimately it's it's just it's just one of those things that when it, it when you think JRPG now you know people think Final Fantasy games but I also think Persona Five, uh, Persona Five, being an, uh, one of those incredible JRPGs, and I'm honestly looking forward to four uh, Persona Four Golden because I've heard some good stuff about that when it comes on Xbox, yep. and I'm looking forward to the next Persona Persona game. I mean, this this really this entire kind of game has really brought me down a line of, of game like soul hackers 2 is, is an offshoot of Tense, uh, megami and also all these games like so this game has kind of got me reinvested me into jrpgs and i'm since persona five i'm always buying the weird jrpgs because i i'm trying to replicate what i felt with five and it's absolutely an amazing game uh that's my number five
0: all right go ahead and jump into my number five but pablo i'm already having a crisis as i look at my list right now i'm already having a crisis. <laughs> I told Pablo offline I was having a really hard time with my five spot because uh, a lot of games have 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 a right to be in this top five list. Um, yeah. Right now, I have Parasite Eve in this list. And boy, do I love me some Parasite Eve. I do. I love this game's sci-fi, the biological horror that it does. For its time, the battle system was really, really cool and unique. The music. But I might have to call an audible here. i might i I might have to uh yeah i gotta put xenoblade chronicles 3 in this spot bro bro
1: listen i gotta do it listen i i didn't do it because i'm like i got let me at least finish the game that's what i told but i would be lying i'm gonna be lying to all you motherfuckers right now (laughs) if xenoblade chronicles (laughs) probably isn't my number one best (laughs) Oh my time. God. Let but, me tell you something, man. We'll, we'll revisit. We'll revisit. Yeah. But go ahead, man. I don't go know, man. Because it.
0: it, it's like, you know what it reminds me of? This is random sports reference. But you know how they did like the top 50 all-time greatest players in NBA history in like the yeah, early yeah, 90s? Yeah. They put Shaq on the list. Like he was only a couple years in the league, but they already knew.
1: Yeah, this yeah, this yeah. reminds
0: me of that. This is like, okay, yeah. I already know. Like I'm only four chapters in, but I I'll, already know you're a top five. I gotta get Parasite Eve out of here. I hate it i hate that i have to do that because I, I wanted to i wanted to brag about parasite eve so much because it's such a forgotten classic how
1: about this how about tell everybody dear number five is Xenoblade chronicles three and talk about parasite eve i mean parasite yeah we already talked about Xenoblade chronicles well, a little bit yeah i mean so you know parasite eve to
0: me i think what made it so special is when you think about the era boobs um, oh sorry oh yeah it was boobs mcgee out there uh <laughs> areolas every which way uh that sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> atrocious. Um, that sounds like someone
1: needs uh, some uh, plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Marial is, is every which way. Anyway,
0: Dingly dangling, every which way. Um, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is like at the, the era of JRPGs that was in, everything was very Final Fantasy-like. The spiky-haired hero was the archetype, right? And so now you get a game that's starring this blonde chick in a red dress that's uh working for a, a police agency or you know whatever and she's she's at this you know it's, it's taking place during christmas and there's this uh, opera thing going on and all of a sudden the, the opera singer is just turning people into flames and and you know Growing limbs and all kinds of weird stuff and mutating animals, <laughs> it's like what the hell is this? And then you have like this semi real time, not not really real time, but like almost like a more action RPG back in the day uh, type of uh, of combat system. It was just dope, man. The atmosphere was there, the music was there, um, the story beats were really fascinating because it wasn't just oh y'all burned my village down now it's war like it was it was really like sci fi police story kind of thing going on it was really cool for for what it was yeah yeah um so that's why i had it at my my five spot but but xenoblade was like nah you gotta you just go you just go over there just just (laughs) just um you know it's just a great game though but yeah i I gotta i gotta call an audible here tentatively i might even climb higher than this by the time i finish it but i gotta put xenoblade uh in this five spot though
1: yeah, that's that. That's fair. I thought about doing the same thing, but I'm like, let me just let me just relax. I tried not to, but um, when we
0: talked about it earlier, it just got me hyped again. I'm like, I, I might have to do this. Yeah, man, so. it's it's,
1: a, it's an incredible. Yeah, I off. mean, and for those of you who know me, and know my playing habits, the fact that I'm no uh, uh potentially seventy five hundred hour of JRPG <laughs> is it, it has a lot to say about yeah. what the quality of that game for yeah, sure. No doubt. Um, so I move on to my number four. My number four is a game uh, that's part of a series that we love to shit on here on uh, the cooldown time. And look, I think that's fair. However, I had to take myself away from what that series is today. And that that game is the end. I'm talking about the first Kingdom Hearts. The series (gasps) has... Sorry, excuse me, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Look, the series has devolved into utter madness, a complex, nonsensical story that really puts the, the likes of Metal Gear Solid lore to shame. It's dozens of games of bullshit, and I think at this point, Kingdom Hearts as a series is unredeemable. However, the first game to have ever come out was just, like, mind-blowing. I remember as a kid, I was like, I, I was like, what is this? It's Mickey Mouse, it's, it's, it's all these characters that I've seen in other video games, all in one game. It really just kind of Spoke to me, and I spoke to a lot of people. Really, when the when the game came out, uh, it, it it just was like a a fucking magical idea that came together, and you're playing it, and it and it's like, oh shit, your 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 party members are Goofy and Donald Duck. It's it just it, for for a kid like me who. And Marco too. So I don't know why he hates Disney so much. Growing up, like literally a stone's throw away from Disney World itself, like it, it just there was a lot there for me that I really was absolutely me- mesmerized by. Um, I think also it's probably my first foray into a action JRPG. Uh, I, I love the way it felt. I love the way it played. Even then, I remember the camera being absolutely atrocious. Ugh. But but that was all. That was kind of par for the course for a lot of these games on the PlayStation Two era. The, the, those those they were still figuring out the three modeling. The 3D modeling and the camera aspect of it, it was it was pretty atrocious, pretty atrocious, but ultimately just kind of like the magicalness and, and to, for lack of sound corny, but like just the game felt magical to me. And I remember very vividly playing this game and really like just being blown away by everything that this game had to offer. And, 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 and I, Kingdom Hearts 2 is right up there with it as well. Um, I, I thought that was uh, also fantastic, but you know, it sadly had, had devolved into something that is almost unrecognizable. Uh, it still has all the Disney characters and, and, and is doing more with it, but it just the story itself was so simple at first, and now it's just fucking utter nonsense and it's absolutely an atrocious bullshit. But it, 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 at, at its inception, it was, and it remains in my in my kind of had just one of the best like experiences I had with a JRPG because it was the first of its kind, you know, like you you, you never saw anything like this. This was unique. Thank this God. was different. This was absolutely special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, I mean, it's never stopped. They got thir- they got fourteen games. They're about to have a new one that's <sighs> coming out in a couple of years. Um, you know, it, people love this uh, swear by this 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 franchise. I don't, but by the first game and second game, I do. I think they're I think they're absolute classics. Uh, in uh, within the JRPG uh, world, uh, it's just sadly they devolved into utter nonsense. Crack but, yeah, cocaine. Crack cocaine. <laughs>
0: that's all he does. Just, he just he eats it. He actually eats it. This <laughs> the gummy ships nightmare. Here's Sephiroth in the game. We're gonna have somebody from In do his voice acting. No, that's horrible. <laughs> like it it's a horrible idea.
1: Terrible idea. I love idea. all that stuff, man. I love all of it. What are we talking about? Awesome.
0: We got Squall in the game, but we're going <laughs> to rename him to something else. And, and uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Squall's a
1: stupid... <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't have the same affinity for Final Fantasy. I knew Final Fantasy because of you. I knew Final Fantasy characters because of you, eight characters. I knew all those and seeing them in the game mixed with Disney stuff, that was in my head, that was like, holy shit. Now, I can understand as a diehard Final Fantasy fan, seeing all these things and them cha- making those changes, are like, what the fuck? I can understand that. So coming from you and you not really having any affinity for this franchise, 100 percent, i get it Ugh. uh but for me as a, someone who wasn't really big on the final fantasy games at all till later uh, i saw this and this was really kind of like this blew me away man i'm not gonna this this blew my mind in ways that i that g- games don't usually do anymore because you pretty much seen it all now you know uh and then even at that point you know you, you saw a lot mm. but kingdom hearts was totally different then but yeah all right man Let me save the people from all this Kingdom Hearts
0: dribble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My number four, uh, maybe this isn't much better, who knows. Um, My number four is actually Nier Replicant. Um, This is the game that came out last year that is basically a remake or reimagining, uh, kind of a half and half type of thing of the original Nier that came out um, back in the PS3 era. Um, Never played the original. Um, My first experience with Nier was with Automata. Um, which a lot of people think is one of the best JRPGs ever, or uh, at least better than Replicant is. I Personally, I disagree. I think Replicant, uh, to me, is is hands down the superior game. Maybe not necessarily from a combat standpoint, because it doesn't have the Platinum Games touch uh, going for it, but I think just in terms of the overall package, the story specifically, um, to Mm. me, is just some of the best... I have ever experienced beyond just JRPGs. Um, that story is so intricate and complex and thought-provoking in the ways that they tell stories in that game um, through traditional cutscenes, through almost like you know uh, novels with just like a text-based kind of adventure thing that they do in between um, the the hidden story beats that you get from playing the you know the ABCDE versions of the the story. Um, that stuff to me was just brilliant. Uh, it, it's off the wall, but it's also extremely um, heartwarming in certain respects. Uh, the characters all have rhymes and reasons for being who and uh, what they are and what they're not. Um, it's just a game that just continued to blow me away every step of, of, of the way through. So I um, still think about that story to this day, uh, as well as the music and presentation. That That soundtrack is... Uh, God tier among many JRPG enthusiasts um, and it, yeah. it is every bit as good as people said it was so um I think just from top to bottom, this game is just one of those ones that you, you never really stop thinking about. If you know, at least for me, um, the story is just it it never leaves your mind. It, you try to find other games that do what this game attempted, and you really can't. Um, and just the whole package to me was uh, incredibly, incredibly smart and uh, thought provoking, even in some ways satirical to the to to its own genre. Um, you know, I know uh, the creator of this series is quite a guy. He's he's a weird one, uh, and he weird dude he made quests that were intentionally fetch questy to kind of poke fun at the genre for being fetch questy and and so it even has those little nods of like we know uh thrown in there too. So it's just a brilliant game he's, from top to bottom and I, I I will not be able to stop gushing about it so I'm going to stop talking now.
1: Uh, he's like a weird dude cuz he's like the only game developer I know that doesn't work for a company. He's like he works him and Sakurai. They work like uh by themselves and they get they get like the companies hire them, like Sony will hire them to make a game, which is super weird. Yeah. But yeah, that, I wish I got into that game a little bit more. I, I thought the story started off really strong. It's just for me, I don't, I, hate, I can't get over the A B C D. Played the game over. Like I know it's, I know it's not like you play the game four different times. It's, I know there's different story beats. It's just I, once I heard that that was the way that this also worked, just like uh, uh, Tom and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> uh but All yeah right. the soundtrack for everything it was really dope um my number three and this is gonna and you're gonna realize how much of a nintendo 64 kid i am um and i wonder i wonder if you ever played this uh i don't i don't think you have and it's quest 64 um uh, did you ever play quest 64 no because i have standards so, no, Quest sixty four is great. Like, do you do you know, do you does this sound familiar to you <laughs> I, at I, at I all?
0: remember it in EGM and all the magazines back in the day. Like you had the oh, kid with the,
1: the stick big... and then the hair. Yeah, I, reme- the, I remember. I yeah, remember it pretty yeah.
0: vividly. I just I never played it because I I got into the sixty four game pretty late on, so I never got around yeah. to it.
1: It's probably the first time I remember playing a game, playing RPG and understanding the mechanics outright. You know, because it was like what this was a ninety eight. This is right before Ocarina of Time. So it's like, and it, 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 it clicked with me fairly quickly. But I really, uh, what I enjoyed about the game is just the way it looked. Back then, Quest 64 looked crazy. I mean, it just looked like, it felt like, it wasn't really, but it felt like it was open world. Like it had like, and, and I'm talking about 98 graphic standards. It had yeah. lush uh, greenery. It looked like, it looked like nothing I've ever really played before because it was like so open. I'm like, Oh my God. And then like the turn based stuff. It's a turn based game, but they really did cool things where they had like, um, you know, when you play JRPGs, it, it, it the old ones, it changes to a battlefield. It didn't do that. What it did, it, it made a grid and then you fought there it was all turn based but you can actually real time dodge and then the way you um and then the way you kind of upgraded your character was based on things that you didn't do well so if you got hit a lot in a comp- uh, in a fight then your hp would go up in, in terms of your xp uh, if you didn't defend well or if you didn't use enough magic and if magic didn't hurt that would uh, in turn um make your characters that aspect of the character level go up so a lot of cool things around like that the story was cool i think you were looking for your dad i mean i don't really remember too much in terms of like the overall story because it was definitely one of those games like go look for your dad and then no fucking story (laughs) for four four hours um uh, you know slim pickings for for jrpgs and s64 but i think this is a i think this is one of those real 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 Underrated JRPGs that nobody really talks about because of, of when it came out how you know how the game actually played and all that I just think it's one of these like games where I remember so vividly loving the shit out of this game just because of how how unique it looked and how awesome it, it, it played uh, but yeah that that's uh, Quest 64 uh, I wonder how many people have actually played this game I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on an island when I talk about I this game because I bring it up
0: I don't know about that yeah. I just think it just gets overlooked because of the N64's like main classic you know but i I've, i rev- right. i feel like i remember a lot of people like really enjoying the game and having that nostalgic feeling like you do well
1: i remember very rarely going to school and talking to people about this game oh, and they're no. like what the fuck no. are you talking nobody about nobody wanted it?
0: to get jumped for saying quest 64 <laughs>
1: <laughs> talking about yeah, Xenosaga
0: or uh, xeno gears and final fantasy what
1: about quest Anybody play Quest? Yeah, uh, you ever played Quest? This guy has like a, he looks like Alfalfa, and he had a lot he's going a mage. on. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it, it looked really, it, it looked really cool back then. But yeah, right. that was my number three. is Quest sixty four. Okay, for sure. My
0: number three uh, favorite JRPG of all time is Final Fantasy VIII. Now, this game gets a lot of flack from the Final Fantasy community as being, uh, according to them, one of the worst uh, games in the series, and I, I have I have begged to differ about this for a long time, and I'm not the only one. We, uh, Our mutual friend, Justin, we talked about earlier on the show, is also a big Final Fantasy 8 guy, and uh, I, think I know a lot of people that are. Fantasy. My friend Will, all my friends, uh, all my friends, all people that I, that I like to have in my life are going to like <laughs> Final Fantasy 8. Um, Never played it. Well, that's the last episode of the the podcast. Um, (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Um, Following up Final Fantasy VII is beyond a tough act to follow if you're square. So you almost can't go back to the well and do the exact same thing again. you got to go a little bit further. You've got to try something a little new and different. And I think that's exactly what they did here. Um, They defied conventions, which I think is always appreciated for this genre, which can be very tropey, and went for something totally different. Went for a school type of environment. Um, which uh, yeah, I thought was brilliant. Um, they introduced more realistic-looking characters that are more human-like, not just the very overly anime-looking characters of, of what we're used to, uh, albeit with some flair and a lot of belt buckles. But, uh, you know, I, I thought this game was outstanding. Um, I thought the characters were great. I thought Ultimecia was a, and continues to be an underrated villain in Final Fantasy. Her, her swag was just a different level. Um, I, I loved her. Um, the Blom Garden soundtrack to me is one of my favorite pieces of music in video games ever. Um, and I actually liked the combat system. That's usually where the biggest criticism comes from because of like the instead of having like materia or magic, you have to like draw the magic out of the enemies you're facing. and You'll get like 14 thunders uh, out of a draw. Um, and so you, it's basically a quantity that you can accumulate from uh, your enemies. And a lot of people didn't like it. Um, I, I get where they're coming from when they say that. But to me, I just thought that that added another layer of of strategy and tact to the battle system, which made it be more than just, okay... Let's kill this enemy and let's keep it moving. Like now, okay. Like let's. We have to find an enemy because they have a certain magic type that yeah. we need that we can accumulate from them. And so it, it just put more thought into the game for me, and I loved it. Um, I thought the environments and atmosphere was great. I thought the presentation was uh, a clear upgrade from Final Fantasy VII. Um, and uh, Triple Triad, y'all, the one of the best card games in in the history of of, of any video game. Y'all like Gwent. That's cool, but Triple Triad got something to say, man. So I was immersed with this game from beginning to end. I loved all the characters. I loved the school environment. I loved the way that the game ended and even some of the conspiracy theory stuff about what the ending meant. I just thought that game delivered in ways that made it its own entity and not just, hey, let's do what we did with Final Fantasy VII and run it back again. Like That was the easy thing to do if you're square. And I liked that they had the balls to say... Actually, no, we're not going to do that. And you saw that with Parasite Eve. You saw that in the future with Vagrant Story. And, of course, with Final Fantasy VIII. So I just loved this era of Square in general. And this game is one of the biggest reasons why.
1: Yeah. um, I'm I'm, I'm a Final Fantasy guy. I played a few Final Fantasy games, but not all of them. And this one is one that I never touched. Uh, So... I'd, I'd be interested to see if they if what they do with the remakes if they ever go back to this I, they, they, I they probably, did the remaster they, but that was it yeah 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 but I, you know i'm not gonna play that come on yeah, it was real. bad just because it's me yeah um but i i would want to see uh, you know like resident evil if they'll do this but i don't think sad uh, unfortunately i don't think if anything they would do 10 yeah they probably skip or something it or something. like that yeah um, but my number two, speaking of Final Fantasy, and I'll, and I'll spoil alert, my next two games are Final Fantasy games. Uh, you can't, can't have a JRPG list without uh, Final Fantasy. Come on. Um, number two is. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Uh, mm. It's Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I say cheat because, you know, we're talking about real traditional JRPGs here. Uh, and Seven Remake is. It's it's a new JRP. It's a new JRPG, right? It, it's a new standard uh, when it comes to uh, what you expect from a Final Fantasy game going forward. So in that way, I think it's not cheating because going forward, every Final Fantasy game would probably be like Final Fantasy VII. So I I, I think Final Fantasy VII remake is is, is it, Final Fantasy VII is probably one of the best JRPGs of all time, and then Final Fantasy VII remake is one is the best remake of any game of all time. Like it, it, the way that that game was was. Constructed from concept and then kind of executed in a way where it's like it doesn't play like Final Fantasy 7, but it still feels like Final Fantasy 7. It just amplifies everything from the characters to its story, giving so much weight to to situations that we might have seen play out. In pixelized uh, graphical fidelity, and then seeing that actually in the way that played out, the way we thought it looked in our minds, it actually looks in game. It's absolutely fantastic. And then the way that they've changed the story and really kept people guessing uh, as to what is next for final fantasy 7 it is just a triumph in video game making and really it's it's just so dope i mean I, I the way that they're able to make this an action type jrpg but still make it feel with with a certain um what is that uh, thing that they use the ap uh system uh yeah the action so, point yeah. system yeah the, the way they're still managed to do that th- that stuff is super dope man and and the way how your skills like uh like Spells are still menu controlled. It's a really good amalgamation of action and turn base. They, they did an excellent job with, with, with Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake and... Story stuff. I'll, I'll let Marco get into that. I, I have a feeling that game is going to show up on his list. Uh, but other than that, I uh, that's where I'm at. Final Fantasy VII remake is my second favorite JRPG of all time, f- just for everything that the original did, and for everything that the remake has amplified and made even better. So, uh, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was a dilemma for me because I, it was a game that I thought about uh, a lot. You know, mm-hmm. when I thought about this list, but for me, um, I think to me, there's so much of this that that's like a wait and see approach until we see how the trilogy wraps up you know and yeah, i feel that's like fair. that that's fair. i'll know how i feel about this game better when i see how the, the the trilogy ends i guess is my thing um because i'll know okay that then i'll know okay this remake did a good job of setting the stage for X, Y, and Z that happens later on or whatever That's they right. change That's about right. the story, uh, later on. So time will tell on that one. That's why I'm going to keep a pin in it, but I, I I can't knock you for having it on the list just because of how yeah. great of a, just a sheer remake it actually was, uh, from, yeah. from top to bottom. So yeah, I can't knock that. Um, number two for me, Persona 5, um, I'm persona McGee, man. Uh, persona, (laughs) persona five was, to me, it was the amalgamation of everything that they had tried to achieve leading up to this game. And a lot of people still like persona Four golden better. I think I can, you know, I can see that argument, but I think persona five was like the fully realized version of what they were striving for, but all kinds of even better stuff that you wouldn't have expected. Um, they really made being that lead character feel like a responsibility in a good way. You know, what are you going to do with yeah. your time today? How are you going to invest it? Who are you going to go hang out with? What benefits is that going to provide you? Who are you going to crush on? Uh, you know, it, <laughs> it really puts you in in the shoes of, of, a, of a Japanese student with baggage and a backstory. And then it brought in all this supernatural sci-fi stuff in a way that was really cool and mysterious and... The Phantom Thieves were cool. Like, it could have been so easy to make this, like, I hate to keep using the word whack, but it could have been whack. It really could have been whack. And they figured out a way to make it cool and make fans, like, lose their minds about it and... and really take a liking to each of these characters and, and what they represented with what they were doing to change the hearts of people. Like, to me, that was just incredible stuff, man. The level design, the art style, the music. I mean, I think we talked about the music in the past on the show, but like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you make that kind of music? And it actually works like, that's nuts to me. And they just figure right. out a way to kill it every time. So like, they got a tough act to follow with, with whatever they do with Persona Six because Five to me was an uh, unforgettable story that was so good it just left me feeling that empty feeling inside when the when the credits yeah. roll. I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever play anything like this again, man. <laughs> a little fuck tear ran they, down. It was it was it's a whole thing, man. And they tackle
1: like some really oh, serious shit. Oh, the yeah. first. The first dungeon, it's like, oh shit, like a yeah. you know inappropriate sexual assault yeah. from teacher to student. Like it's like holy shit, the, the game is not afraid to go there. Not and at all. No, I think six Persona Six is probably gonna have to go the way of uh, Final Fantasy Eight, where it it, it it can't do the same thing that five did, and it has to do has to stand on its own. And I hope that that works for them, but it is concerning there. Yeah. Um, my number one. Like I said, Final Fantasy is, uh, you know, the next two games of Final Fantasy. And this is going to be Final Fantasy X. I can say, in all honesty, Final Fantasy fans are going to land in in two areas. Whether it be nostalgia, heavy nostalgia, or the quality of the game. I definitely feel that I fall more on nostalgia when it comes to Final Fantasy X. I understand that for some... This not, this isn't the best Final Fantasy. I understand Titus is considered by many to be the lamest, uh, protagonist in Final Fantasy. But I, I would almost say I, I kind of, and I agree, but I think that's on purpose because he's like this rash, cocky superstar, uh, athlete thrown into the situation and, and thrown into a world he doesn't understand. His actions personify that impeccably. <laughs> like he's so mm-hmm. annoying. Um, but I think, um, you know, Final Fantasy is is a game about its characters, and I find that uh, Riku, uh, Waka and even Yuna, to a certain extent, are among the best support casts the game Final Fantasy has ever seen. I I think they their personalities are great. I, I really like the way that they 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 talk about. Oh, let me let me rewind. Probably after Final Fantasy VII, because I mean, it on his own is is much... <laughs> a lot. Much, uh, bears a lot. But you know, I, I I think that all this stuff is really it really works in tangent really well um, i think the setting is is beautiful and unlike any final fantasy game i think one of the most memorable final fantasy settings you know the backdrop being the beach and being like this old world setting uh, it's it's just so it's just so beautiful to, to look at even now I, I have the the remastered version playing and it's like you know this 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 game is beautiful even now you know it it does a lot of really great things with that um turn base is very good i think it's the first time that you can ever change your character on the fly while in battle which was game changing because you can strategize but you're not limited to once you're in battle you're you're fucked if you didn't pick the right you know uh teams you can actually change that and that that opened up the strategy uh in, in terms of the game in in ways that um you were never able to do you can actually control summons like you I hit prompts that control the summons instead of it just being one move it's like they, they became an extra character um, the leveling system is super deep though the grid shit was like convoluted as all it was a lot, yeah. all, yeah. it, it was a lot. I, playing that game this year uh, to, uh, I'm like damn <laughs> like this is so insane Okay, Marco, tell me if you agree or disagree with me on this. I think Final Fantasy X music is probably the best among all Final Fantasy games. Uh, just the sheer like backdrop music, uh, the the music, especially the end when uh, when Titus tells Yuna he's he's sorry he couldn't show her Xenarkin, uh, mm. um, like all that stuff. It, it, it's it's not it's less like it's less like. A song that sticks out, but more mo- more like the music used to really set the mood throughout the game more um, than any other. I would say uh, it's in the top. I'd say yet. it's
0: top three. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's the best though, but I think it is very good. Yeah. I liked I liked the heavy metal intro when they when he's playing Blitz for the first time and the guys like yeah blah, yeah blah, 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 blah. And it's yeah and there's got um, a lot of really good ones too. Um, it. It was interesting. It's an interesting game. I know you got more to say, but I, it was such an interesting game because it was the most cinematic Final Fantasy we'd had so far. It was the first voice yeah. acted one we'd had so far. Yeah. And a lot could have gone wrong in that in that transition to the PS2 era. Um some things weren't always the best about that game, uh, presentation-wise, and even musically and voice acting-wise, too, but um, it was a very good and very memorable game for me, for sure. Uh, that that was like yeah. a, the golden year for PlayStation 2, uh, yeah. and that was a big part of why, but I know you got more to say. How about. do you feel? I mean, I don't got much else to say. I mean, how do you feel about Blitzball? I know people- oh, the I loved, like, it. It, can, dude, I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Yeah! I I was obsessed with that thing.
1: I don't understand. I loved it, too, and, I, and I've talked to people about Final Fantasy X, and- their their number one takeaway is that they hated football. Uh, I'm like, y'all, what?
0: man, Heron. Heron. Heroin. That's what all you guys that are. Shit on.
1: Was, that shit was that It awesome. was great,
0: man. It was such a smart game. And uh, you know, the, the characters you can unlock to build out your teams, like it was a whole it was a whole game within a game almost, like yeah. a whole sports yeah. franchise. It was super uh, and I'm a, I'm always a sucker for fictitious sports. I don't know what it is. I yeah, always get yeah, yeah, I always yeah. get hooked on them. But like that was fire to me, man. It was probably yeah. behind Triple Triad from Final Fantasy. It's probably my my favorite, second favorite side game thing in any video game.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think everything, everything about Final Fantasy X, especially it being my first Final Fantasy uh, coming into it and then experiencing this game, I was like, holy shit. I mean, I was... I was I have beat this game twice in my life, which you know it may might not be that much for, for me. That's huge. Stop flexing. Uh, and no, <laughs> but I love I love I love this game so much. Uh, but yeah, that's my number one. Right. And I don't think a, a lot a lot like uh, other lists. I don't think any game could dethrone number one just because of how much it mean this game means to me in terms of how I feel about JRPGs in general. Uh, but man. What what a game And you know If you've never played it I suggest checking out The, the remastered version That came out uh, Yeah a year, I still have so the go. PS It's really good I got
0: the PS2 version um, as, Right now And it's Yeah It's still It's still a good one to come back to I can't lie Yeah I Can't lie Absolutely uh, mm-hmm. But it's not my number one um, My number one Favorite JRPG of all time Come on man Cloud Tifa Aerith Barrett vincent valentine what are we talking about man red 13 not 14 not 12 13 sephiroth sefi come on man final fantasy 7 uh and and i'm talking about the original um this game blew my mind i this is one of those games that if i didn't play it if i didn't ever know this game existed i probably wouldn't be playing games to this day because it it changed my perspective of what video games are supposed to be and what they're capable of um, I remember the commercial for it and my, my parents were like, oh my God, that's like a movie. Like that was the main thing everybody yeah, kept yeah. saying. And it felt like one, it felt like one from, from the jump. And it was, um, you know, a, one of the first JRPGs I've ever played. It might've actually been the first, I can't remember, uh, to be honest, but it might, it might be my first one just cause of my age. And I didn't know what they were at the time, but this was different, man. Um, the story was outstanding, Getting to know these characters in this world, um, the background lore, um, the enemies in this game, the villains in this game. Uh, I've said it before; I'll say it again. N- no one captivates a screen to me like Sephiroth does in terms of villains. Uh, I just—I've never seen anybody like him before. Um, you think he's so conventional, and in some ways he is, but he just manages to be so menacing. And it just, as soon as you see him on screen, it's a different feeling. And it's like um, our style, man. Cloud to me was incredible. Uh the whole crew to me was incredible, all the way down to the Yuffies of the world. Like I just found everybody to have a place, a role, and a purpose in that game in a way that I just I, I could not believe at the time. And um the the iconic music, man, um the one winged angel boss fight song that that plays when you fight Sephiroth at the end, and all the all the things about Midgar that make Midgar so cool and intriguing. Um the the controversial death of Aerith, man, like that was at the time that was like that was insanity for a JRPG. You killed off one of your main characters, what? Like that was un that was just unfounded. So this game really broke new ground and I I hate the people that just you know, it's like it's almost like the Lincoln Park of Final Fantasies to some people. Like, oh, you liked yeah. that. Well, you're supposed to like six, you're supposed to like nine. You're, there's like the chic Final Fantasies you're supposed to like more than others. Um, but I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I like six, though. Six was <laughs> six was a good time. It was a great time. I loved all that. But it, seven to me, we yeah. got to start throwing some flowers at eight, uh, at seven and eight, really, because they, they really paved the way for final fantasy to live on the way that it has um if if they kept doing what they did in the snes era um i don't know how long it would have lasted it might it it might be what chrono trigger is today where it's just that thing from back in the day that everybody loves um it we owe a lot to this game and and the industry owes a lot to this game too and um i think it's right up there in the top 10 all-time games to me personally um you know as far as how it influenced the industry and and other creators and visionaries to to look at this game as a benchmark and say, wow, what can we do to build on what they did here? Um, Tough act to follow, man. And and hardly any game that I've played since then has come close to doing uh, what that game did for me. So got to say the ultimate bouquet out here. The the daffodils go to uh, (laughs) Final Fantasy VII for sure. Uh, but that's going to wrap up our top five JRPGs of all time, uh, respectively. And, uh, that was a good time. Hopefully, uh, you listeners out there enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you did be sure to give our podcast a sub, if you enjoyed that, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at cooldown Time podcast. So that will always be in your FOV. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, thank you for tuning in and we will uh, see you next week. Take it easy. Make me feel good. good.